Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThink SciComm. I'm Rob Mathias, President and CEO of ISMAP. With us today, we have Whitney Morris, Recruiting Specialist at Medical Affairs Recruiting. Whitney has worked exclusively within the medical affairs and scientific communications recruiting space, which gives her a deep understanding of the field and the current challenges we face. Today, I'll be asking Whitney about her advice for both hiring managers and potential employees, as well as her outlook on the field in general. Welcome, Whitney. Hi, Rob. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to have you with us. I know we have a bunch of topics to, to jump into today. Maybe we'll just start from, from the very beginning. There's a lot going on in the job market in the world and certainly mm-hmm. a lot going on within medical affairs and medical communications. What do you see and happen out there? It is, to say it lightly, the great resignation. <laughs> and it's not even March. So all of us in medical affairs and scientific affairs, we we know what March brings. Everyone gets their bonuses. And, and we're not even there yet. But I would say we are seeing two specific things that I have not seen in doing this in eight years. First one is lots of turnover. So I've I've seen turnover like I think I've never seen before. The leadership is stressed because that because of the resignation. I just read a, a report the other day from McKinsey and it was talking about the percentage of leaders that are feeling burnt out at the same leadership level. And so it, it's around 31% of men and then it even broke it down even more that 43% of women are feeling really burnt out in this leadership because we're just trying to do so many things while holding on to teams at the same time. And, you know, it's definitely not just medical affairs. Obviously, that's what we're seeing every day, but it's definitely a nationwide. I have colleagues that work in different areas of recruiting, and it's just a time like we've never seen. Interesting. Yeah. And we'll certainly get into talking about those leaders and the stress that they're experiencing because we want to see if we can give any advice to those folks out there. Before we get into that, though, why do you think this turnover is happening? You know, I think it's two big things. I think first is the way our industry, it's just the nature of the beast. The way the the pharmaceutical industry is set up is you stay with a company and you get two or 3% a year increase and you make a move and you get 12 to 30% increase in, in making a move. And so I, I was thinking this morning when I started at Merck almost 15 years ago, I remember sitting through a training that was about Johnny jump around and Susie stays a lot. (laughs) And after 15 years, Susie stays a lot. She had made a lot of money. It had a lot of stock and things like that. And Johnny jump around did not have the stock. But I think now if we fast forward 15 years, it's actually the opposite. You know, when you look at why people are staying and, and where they're going, I think the industry has set up a lot of that. So that's the first thing I see. The next thing I see is a generational shift and change. Right now, now we have a leadership group made up of baby boomers and Gen Xers, and then we have a group of millennials coming quickly. So right now, uh, well, and I'll just go ahead and define because it's a little controversial. So from a millennial standpoint, we're talking like 1981 to 1996, that generation. And right now they make up about 35% of the workforce. And in the next three years, they're going to be 75%. And with that brings a whole new set of priorities for this generation, a whole new set of things that they find important when they are being recruited and wanting to stay on a team. Whereas I think before it's been a little easier 
easier because baby boomers and even the Gen Xers, they've been so focused on on the money. And so, you know, if you could pay a person and you could get them to move, that that made them happy and they stayed and put them in leadership positions. And really this new generation, this new wave coming in is really valuing many different things that make make it a little more difficult. So that it's very interesting. Do you see the career path shifting then for folks now that, you know, so we have more of the millennials coming in. Is that that traditional path changing or is it kind of the same? I think it's going to change a lot because, well, for a couple of different factors. So just in if, and I, I speak about millennials because I fall into this barely. So I, what, everything I say, I say honestly from, from that perspective. But, you know, I think we have been given so many choices our entire lives. I joke that we're the, the cereal box babies because we're the first generation that could go in the grocery store and see 50 different types of cereals. And so we've been given, and just even more so younger than I, been given so many options our entire life, instant options. And so if you really look at where millennials want want to go and how they want to progress, 43% right now and think that they are going to make a change within two years. And then you look at who's going to be loyal, it's 28% are planning to stay for five years or more. So this is just a huge drastic change from the baby boomers that would come in and stay for, you know, 20 years at a time. So I think this new generation, they're ambitious to move up, but they want a job that can provide meaning. So they're really looking for the ability to use and share their talent and make an impact on an organization while they are living their design quality of life. So that's a big shift as well. Whereas we looked at before, this generation of leadership would come in, wanted to make more money, wanted to move up the ranks, would be at the office from nine to five, cranking it out. And this is just a very different setup that we're looking at right now. It's so interesting because when we, we first started this dialogue a little bit ago, you were talking about the money part of it and how that kind of got set up by the uh, the industry itself. And as we got into it a little bit more, well, now we're talking more about the millennials and the entry of, of them into the workforce and basically what that's doing to uh, you know how we try to retain people into our organizations and so on. So if we shift back to what you're talking about, those stressed out leaders that are really trying to manage the situation these days and the great resignation, what advice do you have for them? Well, I think it's a, like the workforce, I think it's a shift in mindset. So there's a couple of things that as a leader you can do, but I think it's even broader than that. I think where you could start is actually with your company and having your input on things. So I would say paying appropriately is important, but even bigger than that, this new shift in in the workforce, you know, 45% of the millennials say they would choose a workplace with more flexibility over a higher paying one. 89% of them talk about preferring to choose when and where they work. So I think it's it starts at the top with your company. So the most important things to attract these people and to keep these people are company culture, flex time, free time, working later, the office being more fun, job having meaning and making a difference. I think you have to start there because if you can't, if you're not getting them and engaging them, you're not going to be worrying about a team anyway. So let's say you've you've got your team, you know, you're trying to retain that team. The nice thing is, and the amazing thing is that this generation will work hard. If they believe in something and they believe they are engaged and they are being valued, 73% of them polled said, I will work more than 40 hours. This, you know, the millennial generation doesn't look at, am I clocking in? Am I clocking out? And looking at the time. So the great thing is you can get some really innovative outside of the box thinkers, but you have to 
shift your mindset in managing them because micromanaging, that is so 2020. (laughs) That is out the door. Really, you have to look at, I would say, my biggest piece of advice to managing this age group is looking at how can they be successful. So establishing clear goals with milestones is one of the ways that that generation, our generation really appreciates because they like to know that they're doing a good job because we're still want to please, but also appreciating being recognized for their work. And just, I think trust is the biggest one, trust and communication, because we've been in offices with managers over us being able to see when we're working and what we're doing. But if you will just lay the groundwork for really what you're looking for and then allow them to go and allow them to be innovative and uh, and trust that they are working because they will work hard. It's definitely a different shift from having a boss sitting in the office beside you. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, it's very different than the old mindset of really just being able to throw some more money at someone. Or in fact, when I first asked you the question about advice you might have, you mentioned just very briefly, pay appropriately, and then went into a number of what I would call more social factors, psychological factors, making sure you understand your employees and and what their needs are. It's a very different way to do things. Is there any type of training that you recommend? Or, you know, if I'm a leader and I'm looking to make sure that I hold on to my team for next year, what should I be doing to get myself equipped to do that? I think what you can do is there's a lot of literature out there. So there's actually some really good books I would recommend to, to read or to listen to. Um, I find that I don't have as much time to read, but I can listen <laughs> a lot of times. So there's one called Leading from Anywhere by David Burkus. I recommend that one highly because not only are you having to build this trust, but you're not able to see the person either. And the other hard part is this new wor- wave of workforce really likes things to be so and they like they put priority on fun and being social. And when we're also wanting to work remotely, that takes some creativity. So I would recommend that kind of book. You know, Leading from Anywhere is a great book. Another good one is called The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. That's a great one as well because that really kind of sets you up internally as a leader to be able to facilitate that trust because sometimes that's harder internally than it is externally. And so I think those are two really good options that I would recommend on how to lead from afar, but have that trust to be able to do so. That's great. Great advice. And I think that'll be very useful to a number of the folks who are in leadership positions that are listening to this podcast. So Whitney, if we if we shift now a little bit and talk on the other side about maybe your advice for those folks who are working currently, they're, they may want to become a candidate. Is there something in this particular environment that they should be doing to get themselves up to speed or to get prepared to be marketable out there? Well, you know, your experience is your experience. And that's where your CV comes in. You can't really change that. You are you, so you can't change that either. So you've got your personality you've got your experience and now you're like, okay, I'm ready to put it out there and I'm ready to find my people. So I would say a couple of things. The first thing I would do is soul search. Why are you wanting to make a move? What What is it you're looking for in that next role? Every time I talk to a candidate, I, I start by why are we talking? Because I can tell you if the first, if the reason you are talking to a recruiter or thinking about going to explore interviewing with another company. If your answer is money, you should hang up the phone. You should cancel the interviews because you can go to your boss. So I would say soul search first and really understand what is the reason for my, for my wanting to make a move. And if that reason is money, go to your boss. It is a lot cheaper for them to keep you than it is for you to make a move and then train someone new. In fact, just this year, it has cost the U.S. economy $30.5 billion 
to retrain, rehire because of this turnover. So I promise you, your boss will do everything they can if it's a if it's a money part of that. Now, if you soul search and you're you find that it's for leadership or it's to find more worth and things like that, the biggest thing I would ask is be realistic and look at look at what you're looking for. So are you being realistic in the title? Are you open to different titles? Are you being realistic with the pay? Are you being realistic with the location and having to reload or not reload with the team size? Just, you know, that's a really important part of that. And then I would just say be open. You know, if someone offers you an opportunity in a totally different area of Psycom than what you've worked, be open to that. Because if you're looking for a new challenge and you're looking for something different, I think that's a really great way to do that because someone that's outside of you can often see opportunities for you that you wouldn't necessarily see for yourself. And so I think that that would be a great way, you know, to start. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think we would have had the same dialogue a couple of years ago. You know, you might not have sent someone packing to go chat with their with their manager and say, can I have some more money? Because now the environment's different. They're willing to do that. But let's say we have that scenario where you have a soul searcher and they've decided I, I do want advancement or I, I need something that's going to get me a little bit more to use my brain and things that I want to do that are more interesting to me. Do you have advice in this current environment with video interviews and, and so on, things on Zoom? Is there a different type of preparation that, that should be happening? Absolutely. So with the nice thing is now that COVID's over, we've moved past where we can actually do in-person interviews more. I always encourage that. Always, always offer that up. Many times companies aren't necessarily doing that right now, and they a lot of them will stick to the Zoom or the team calls. But as a candidate, I would always offer that up because that's always going to be your best bet. That's when you just get, you get so much from a... Um, you know, from a nonverbal cues, from anything like that, that and it's just going to behoove you as a person in that relationship building. So always offer that opportunity and that that openness. Now, if they are still going to do a Teams call or still want to do it virtually, that's great as well. Just make sure you focus on, and I always tell my hiring managers this, so this goes for both ways. If you're interviewing a new person or if you're intervie- being the interviewed, the soft opening is so important. So whereas if we're in person, you walk into an office, you shake hands, you talk talk to each other, you take a few minutes. I feel like sometimes we get so, you know, you've got to call at 10.05 and you're interviewing on teams of 10.10. So there's no transition. You're just jumping from one virtual to the next. Make sure you take a breath and take a step and really first set the tone and that find out who that person is and really get to know them a little bit outside of the business. Take a few minutes to try with that hiring manager. Do your research online beforehand and see if there's an icebreaker there or if there's some sort of something you have in common that you can talk about before you jump into the requirements of the job or whatever that may be. It's not always going to be that organic and you're not always going to feel like you connect that well. But if you can at least make the um, effort to do so, I think that's always important because I always say that Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors for a reason. Everyone likes something different. And so I think it's important that you establish that right up front, because if you're going to be working for that person every day, it doesn't matter how much you're making or what you're working on. That's that's a real make it or break it. Yeah, we certainly don't have those cues anymore when it comes to interviewing on Zoom or Teams. And so it's really good advice to maybe try to get your game in terms of how you're going to uh, get to know your hiring manager better and the the folks you're interviewing with. So very, very good advice. I appreciate that. Can Um, I throw one more in there? Oh, yeah. Is dress. I don't know what it is these days. I feel like sometimes candidates think because they're on a Teams call, they don't have to get dressed as well. And guys, it's just like a first interview. And think of it as in person. And you always want to be the better dressed one. So don't jump 
jump on in a fleece. Don't jump on in a t-shirt. You know, I always say put the professional wear on as if you were walking into the office. Great advice. And and maybe something that people do overlook. So uh, I appreciate you giving some of that real pragmatic uh, advice to those folks that might be looking for work. So Whitney, I think we've covered quite a bit today. I really appreciate you taking the time to set the stage for what's happening in the environment and to giving some really specific advice to both people who might be hiring as well as those people that might be looking to find a new experience. So appreciate the time and I hope that we can get you back on in the near future. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to Informed for Medical Communication Professionals. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues, and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you'll also join us at an upcoming ISMAP University webinar or even considering becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org, that's I-S-M-P-P.org, to learn more. I'm Rob Mathias. Thank you.